Welcome to the Respectful Divorce Podcast. If you're considering a divorce, it's important to know that you have options for how you divorce. On the Respectful Divorce Podcast, we explore those options and provide advice from divorce professionals. We also talk with divorce clients about what went right and what went wrong in their divorce. On today's edition of the Respectful Divorce Podcast, Mill Milner is finishing her conversation with Sarah Armstrong, the author of The Mom's Guide to a Good Divorce, What to Think Through When Children Are Involved. So there are times when you don't have the child with you after divorce. And I love what you talked about learning to love your alone time. And that makes you even value your quality time with your children more. Yes. Yeah. And I do think that that's an adjustment. Um, And actually, I just had a close friend of mine who's going through divorce and he wrote me yesterday and said, this is my first, this is literally very new. It's his first week without his girls. And I, and I said to him, I go, at some point you'll look at this as the gift of time. Not right now. It doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, it's too, and he wrote back, it's too early to feel like a gift. And I said, I understand. But um, if you can take those moments that you don't have your kids and think about what you want to do at that time and view it as a gift of time, whether it's investing in yourself in terms of working out or seeing friends or picking up a new hobby or giving back, whatever it is, you know, fill that time. So it's meaningful to you so that it allows you to, you know, you're going to miss them. But I think when you fill it with things that fill your own soul and your own spirit, then I think you can come away from those moments and look at it as the gift that it is versus the loss that it could be viewed as. It's okay to spoil yourself at that time. You know what? It's okay. It's okay. I think that that's one of the things that I think we also feel guilty, maybe in some strange way of like this time where again, we've done something wrong. So now we have this time. So it's all of those things that we have to think about and reframe for ourselves because it's our, your new reality. It's your new normal. And so what do you do with that time? And I just commend you, as I've said before, for turning some of these things, which which often people in a divorce see as a negative, you've turned it into a positive. And that is a gift you've given all these folks that are going through this. Well, it's interesting because one of the stories that that probably is the most poignant story of, of Grace's early divorce that I feel like we made the I made the right call and I, I look back, but it's a it's a it's a small one, but I want to share it is uh, we had a, a hallway of black and white family photos. Mm-hmm or a mix of my family and, and my ex-husband's family. And I needed to obviously give my ex-husband his photos. And, and so and they were beautifully framed. And so I took the time to take, take down the photos, get new photos. And I sent Grace down to a play date one Saturday. And I took the, the old photos off the wall, put them in a box, put up the new photos, put everything away. And Grace came home an hour later. And she said, and I'm in the kitchen. And I hear this little voice from the hallway go, Mommy. The wall has changed. And I stopped in my tracks and I said, what's changed? She said, there were more pictures of me up there. It looks great. And she went <laughs> up and I took a deep breath and I thought, oh. now the thing is, Camille, if I had not taken the time to reframe some photos and put them back there and just taken the old photos down and left the little hangers yes. on that wall, you know, all the way throughout the hallway, what Grace would be telling a therapist years from now is my parents got divorced and my mom took all the photos of my dad off the wall. Maybe she left those little hangers. And that's just an incredible example of what you're talking about, about doing things consciously and thoughtfully and putting yourself 
in her shoes. Yeah, because I knew that's what she would see. Now, in her room, she has photos of her of both sides of the family and I left those, by the way. So uh-huh. there's still photos of my ex-husband, his parents, brother, sister-in-law, cousins. Like that's that's her family. You know, yes. she it's her room. I wasn't gonna pull those off and replace some other photos. So I again, and that's again taking the high road, you know. I and I realized some people can some of these things people might say, I just couldn't do that. That's okay. What but think about in those moments, if you're taking pictures down or if you're creating gaps in the environment of your child during this time, what do you do about those gaps? Because minimizing those gaps allows the child to not feel like their whole world is being pulled apart. Well, you know, one of the things when I get really frustrated with clients that are not thinking about their children, I will say, you say you would take a bullet for your child. Would you also be, be willing to do whatever it takes to get along with their other parent? for the benefit of your child. And that may sometimes feel harder because it's um, it's got so many layers of lots of different emotion with it. But if you say, I'll take a bullet for my child, then you need to be able to say, I can figure out a way to get along with their other parent. Lovely. That's just, we're grownups here and let's figure it out. Even if we have to go to therapy to figure it out, we need to be the ones figuring it out. Our children don't need to figure it out, as you say, in a therapist's office 20 or 30 years down the road. That's not that's not for them. So you talk about recovering from the divorce hangover. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, it is one. You know, I think the year or two, and again, some people's divorce hangovers are longer than others. But I think after your divorce, you've gone through this intense both emotional period and a lot of things you're having to think through when you come out of it. But you still have a recovery period, you know, you still, and it's a healing time and it's a reflection time. And so I think giving yourself the space and the grace to know that that first year um, after divorce, there, there's recovery and it can feel, um, it can feel that way. And part and, of what you talk about is the year first. Yes. Yes. And those year firsts are really important because um, sometimes what you've done, so whether it's birthdays, vacations, um, any of the family traditions you have that you had divorce, whether or not you want to repeat those, like those are traditions you want to continue or whether you want to change them um, or whether you want the holiday structure that like the way it was or the birthday party handled the way it was. All of those year of first, that first year allow you to reflect on, do I want to do that again next year? Mm-hmm. Sometimes the answer might be, yeah, that actually worked really well. Let's, let's keep that one going. Other times it might not. I mean, I will say that my toughest thing, even to this day, is the holidays I don't have Grace with me. Mm-hmm. And so my first holiday without her really hit me hard. And I decided that I wouldn't do that next time that way. And so um, I made some changes to how I approach the holidays when Grace isn't with me. And so I think you do need to, in your own kind of talking about resilience, you you need to think about your own need to flex and to, and to potentially pivot when things aren't maybe um, fulfilling you in the way that you would think they would. And so those are, those are moments as well, but the year first is very important to reflect on and then, and then figure out what you want to keep and what you want to do differently. And that kind of prepares you for when you have empty nest and they marry or leave the nest for whatever it is, career or an, a, a significant other. And you have to be prepared to do that same thing then. It's not just in the context of a divorce. Absolutely. And I will say, comparing notes with some of my friends who are wonderfully married and have kids and are heading off to college. And when I had Grace heading off to college, 
I definitely was more prepared. <laughs> I just think that's an interesting byproduct. Yeah, it is. It is. We were prepared. I mean, I only had her half the time. So then it was just a, now a slight, it was a shift versus a major shift. And I do think I've had a slightly easier adjustment in this uh, empty nesting stage than some of my friends, but that's just a reflection. Actually, I hadn't, hadn't articulated until now, but I, I, I can see that for sure. You know, they, they used to disparage dads, the Disneyland dad, but I think, I, I think what you have helped us understand is that when we have the children with us, it's important to make sure that that is quality time. It's not a Disneyland dad syndrome at all. It's just being mindful that this time is going to be limited now. So we got to make it count. Absolutely. So how, what are some techniques that you've offered as ways to do that? Yeah, no, it's a great point. You know, I, I talk in, especially in this day and age, I talk about being present with your children. I talk about thinking about what that quality time looks like, especially um, those uh, moms who are working moms and are trying to juggle, you know, a job and I'm at home. And so really thinking about um, what your time looks like with your kids and um, in protecting that time and setting boundaries for that time. You know, I think that that's an important thing so that you do have that time with them. Um, so that's, that's a key part of it. I think there's also something about thinking about the... I, I talk about travel traditions and special moments because I think for many kids growing up, if I think about what I remember from my childhood, it was the travel. It was mm-hmm. the... And it's those special moments that really stick out, you know? And so... And going back to what we talked about earlier, I think having those traditions that are really meaningful that you want to um, do with your kids, thinking about now traveling could be to the town over or it could be on a, a bus, a train, a plane, you know, uh, but some type of experience that you have with your kids that is another, you know, memory. And then just special moments that happen, whether it's, you know, they're in the school play or they get an award or, you know, just those things that you really can celebrate in being there for those. So those are some of the other things that I think are important to kind of just consciously think about. Well, and again, normalizing it, I think, you know, a a lot of parents do take their individual child on a single parent, not divorced, but a a parent on their own with the child on a special trip. Mm -hmm. And there's no negative connotation with that. That's just lots of one on one time. But when there's been a divorce, sometimes we slip into that negativity about it. And it doesn't have to be that way. You're right. It is all about the mindset. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So you talked also about new rule, etiquette rules for a good divorce. Yes. I just love your topics, by the way, because they're all like, they're all like Oprah's tweetable moments. (laughs) Thank you. Well, you know, I think there's a lot of things when you go through divorce that, um, you know, there's some, there were, again, there were some moments of reflection of, how how you do how you do it you know how you show up I mean I would go to dinner parties by myself mm-hmm. I would go to you know whatever functions and you know I think that there's ways both socially to think about it um, and there's ways professionally to think about it you know I, I kept a very small circle at work that knew I was going through divorce I didn't broadcast it I didn't think everyone needed to know until mm-hmm. done so I think it's a matter of really just thinking about how you want to show up you know in this kind of phase of life and both embracing it, but also being conscious of, of uh, how you want to um, spend your time socially, et cetera. So it's, it's a, it's a number of, there's a number of angles um, that you have to think through there. Well, I wanted to share with you in one of our collaborative divorces, sometimes the clients 
in cases are so much smarter than the lawyers. We had a couple that said, you know, how to your point about everyone takes a side. This couple said, we want to figure out a way that that doesn't happen in our family. And so we talked through it in the collaborative process. And what they ended up doing was was writing together what would be the equivalent of a Christmas or holiday letter that we all receive. And in that letter, they said to their family and friends, this is something we're going to and we're going to share it with you. But we want you to know it's between us. We don't want you taking a side. You don't want, we don't want you ever feeling like you need to now or ever. We still want to have a relationship with you. We don't want you saying in our children's presence or to them anything disparaging about the other person. We are still going to be a family. It's just going to be a different family. And they reported back to us that the family and friends that received that had a collective sigh of relief and were so grateful to them for not being put in the position of having to take a side. I love that. I've not heard of that being done. And I love the spirit of that action because it is absolutely, it does. It allows everyone to understand, okay, because I don't think people know how to react to Camille. Um, and yes. Talk about, we similarly didn't want people to take sides. And even with, with that, intent and desire there were people that were taking sides um so i do think it's a really important piece of it and you know the other thing though as as a couple is how you physically show up so i, I talk about when like when we went to grace's soccer games we always either stood next to each other or at least on the same side of the field so the yes. grace have to look at two sides and be like well mom's there and dad's there and you know she scored or had a good play she didn't you know she should look up and see both of us smiling you know and cheering for her so, you know, at school, you know, with school events, we try to sit with each other. So, but that's, that's showing both your child and showing other people around you. You know, we, we're here for her. This is, this is Grace's time. We're here for her. And it's not about whether we're married or divorced, whatever the case is. Um, that's what's most important. But those are, those are all those actions I talked about earlier. That you have to think about. You have to think about them. We have a collaborative lawyer here in town. In fact, the one that brought me into the collaborative movement. And he said, we want our children to have butterflies at their piano recitals because they're nervous about the performance, not about how their parents are going to behave. Absolutely. I thought that was huge. And it's the same with baptisms, graduations, weddings. You know what? There's so many moments. And actually, I'm proud to say that my ex-husband and I moved Grace into her college dorm together. Oh, I and, just love that. You know, and then we went out to dinner that night to celebrate. Uh, we, we went out to say we got her here. She's doing great. She's happy in the school she's in. And I actually asked Grace if she wanted to come dinner. She's like, no, I'm going to hang out with my new friends. I mean, she was already off and running into the college scene. But I think that that was a moment for us, you know, after all these years and everything that had transpired to be able to sit down and kind of say, you know, she's we've launched her into the world. So it's it was a huge credit to you all. I see this every day and I just want you to know how much I appreciate your approach. So let's talk just a little bit, if we could, about process. Yeah. Um, everyone knows what litigation looks like. The old show, L.A. Law, with Arnie Becker, who fueled the fire in litigation. And most lawyers don't do that. Most lawyers really want to help people get through to the other side without as much drama as, as that show indicated. But litigation is is just the animal that there it is a position based process but you chose the collaborative process yes yes and that was really because i had um i'd heard about it I, and i thought you know for what what we were trying to do and because i wanted to do it differently than the divorces i'd watched growing up i wasn't i was the first of my friend group so i didn't really know anyone 
going through divorce at the time to ask them. So it it really spoke to me in terms of having you know the the lawyers, the two coaches, the the child specialist, and the financial neutral, and that team really working together. So I'm a big believer in the collaborative process. I realize it may not be for everyone, um, but for those that think that they um, want to try it, I, I do think it's a process that allows you to really put your children first and to end up having made those decisions very consciously and carefully over the course of the process. I sometimes think about, you know, the Mayo Clinic was so far ahead of its time with the team approach to medical care. And I I think medical care in other places, very often the, the patient has to piecemeal or cobble together their caregivers. And I think sometimes divorces can be that. But what you're describing with the collaborative process, each client has their lawyer and then they have neutral professionals that are on their team to help them get to the other side of this in a healthy way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I just think it's it it when we were doing it, it was on the earlier side, I think, at least when when we were in Atlanta, that it wasn't something that people had heard a lot about. Um, But. I think it's continued, as you know, and you're in the midst of it, Camille. It's it is really um, something that I think more more couples that are going through divorce should be considering, and, and hopefully more well, because I do think it helps you immensely. One of the the shifts in thinking that we think about sometimes when we're explaining it to clients is if we're all around the table and there's a Kleenex box in the middle. We think of it as um, metaphorically, we're engineers working on the same project to get it completed rather than against each other, which is, is got negative and inefficiency with it. Absolutely. And it is, I mean, I think tackling it as a project Camille is, is, is the reality. I mean, it's, you have to know that there will be a a beginning, middle and end and there's steps in the process and there's, but you do have to actively manage it so that you can get through it. I always say as expeditiously as possible as possible because it can draw draw more than it needs to if you yes. don't really keep things on track and and you know move those decisions and discussions along. And and one of the things that we have in the collaborative process, of course, is we have joint meetings that are tried to schedule every couple of weeks so that we keep the momentum going, not to rush. We want it to be thorough but efficient. Absolutely. And Absolutely. have some expediting of it, not dragged out like in litigation for several years. Absolutely. And that's what I, we found that experience to be the case. So I have a question. Um, as a divorce client, but you are also uniquely qualified, mm-hmm. as you have said, you support this movement of moving into interest-based collaborative process for families that it works for or that we'd be good candidates for it. Do you have any suggestions about how we could get the word out to everyone? Because that's still our biggest challenge. The folks that that find out about the collaborative process seem to really appreciate it and find it to be of great value to their families. But it is a longer conversation than a billboard that says divorce, bankruptcy or DWI. No, no, I I agree. It's an interesting question, Camille, and I haven't. Uh, I'll I'll give it some more thought. My initial reaction is it's um it's an awareness issue, right? Of people really a it's awareness and understanding because it's there's um I still think when I mention and again it's been now almost fourteen years when I mentioned that I went through a collaborative process, most people have not heard of that. Now, awareness. The only thing I'd say is. 
most people um, aren't looking to research a divorce process until they're in it. <laughs> right. And so I think that the challenge there is that, you know, as I mentioned earlier, no one gets married to get divorced. So it's not something you're planning or preparing for. Right. Time. And so I think it's more about the moment that those individuals are contemplating, you know, this decision that, that we need to be able to get to them. And that's where I think it is, you know, whether it's online or other ways of, of raising awareness, but it is an interesting one because it's not like with, so for example, financial planning or other aspects of your life, you feel like you should be educated over the course of your life. So as you need different aspects of financial planning, you start using it. This is really at a point in time and hopefully, you know, um, people don't need it. And so that that's the that's the challenge. <laughs> and what you're saying is exactly right. My husband says it that people are always looking at cars. They're always shopping for cars, even if they're not really in the market for them. And it's not that way with divorce. No. So I think part of our job is to um, get it in the public consciousness enough that if someone is getting a divorce, either someone they know or a family member may have heard about it yeah. in some podcast or video at some point or on some social media, and that it comes up enough that it's able to be adopted for people that will find it a good fit for them. I would agree. I would agree. I also wonder if the broader just legal community um, could have more awareness because I actually was on a podcast recently with a lawyer in New York who said I wasn't really familiar with this process. And I said, well, gosh, it's been around for a while. So I think it's interesting that, you know, there's various pockets around the country of people that are aren't even within you know, the divorce attorney, you know, right. universe. We so. have our work cut out for us. Yeah. <laughs> and I think this really is a, more of a movement. It is. And, you know, I, I sometimes, I sometimes compare it to the women's movement or the civil rights movement. No one took a billboard out for that. And we're not in it saying, hire me. We're in it to promote the process to help families. And that's uh, a little bit different than your typical lawyer billboard about a personal injury case. Right. No. And I appreciate that. I appreciate the movement. I can feel it myself because I've been you know, speaking about this topic of a good divorce now for a number of years. And I'm seeing more and more um, you know, discussions than I did when I first wrote my book. In yes. And so I, I can see that there's more momentum. And I'm excited to see that because I do think it will really help people to embrace this process if they're aware of it and they think they're the right candidates to kind of go through it. So, Well, I am so grateful to you that you were able and willing to spend some time with us today and, and talk about your book and about the collaborative process and Grace and your family. Um, would you like to tell the listeners again one more time how they can find your book, your your uh, audio book, your electronic book, and in the paperback? Yes. Yes. So thank you. First of all, thank you so much for having me on, Camille. Um, so the book is available on Amazon and it's The Mom's Guide to a Good Divorce. So as Camille said, it's paperback, uh, ebook, guidebook, Kindle, as well as Audible. And um, you can also go to my website, which is gooddivorce.guide. And you can either purchase a book through the website um, or also there's additional information on my background and some other insights as to why I wrote the book. So it's um, it's there as a reference. And uh, also my email is on there as well if you want to reach out for any reason. So, Well, thank you so much. Collaborative Divorce is a better way to untie the knot.